Hello and welcome to Faith in Politics, a joint public issues team podcast where we look at the relationship between faith and politics and how we as Christians can respond. This month, we're looking at one of our hopes, which is a politics characterised by listening, kindness and truthfulness. We hope this timely and interesting interview will pique your curiosity as well as our discussion afterwards. Enjoy. Great, so we are joined today by the Mayor of Stockport, Adrian Nottingham. We are so pleased to welcome you to the podcast. Um, So tell us a bit about yourself, Adrian. Have you always lived in Stockport? Um, No, only for the last 20, 22 years, I think. So I grew up in the southwest and then moved up to Manchester and lived in Manchester for a while and then just moved 400 yards and across the border into Stockport. I live very close to the Manchester border. I grew up going to church. My family were churchgoers. And um, I honestly can't remember a time when um, Jesus wasn't somebody that I adored and loved and respected because that was the environment that my family um, brought me up in. So as a family, we'd pray together go to church together, et cetera. I had a, a very real personal kind of conversion type experience when I was age nine. So in a childlike way, realized that this wasn't just something for the family, but it was something as an individual um, decision as well. I uh, went into physiotherapy. It was my profession. So trained as a, a physiotherapist, um, very involved in a local church near where I um trained Uh, at the end of my training I was approached by the church and asked me if I would work for a year as a pastoral work in the church which I did so put my career on hold for a year I uh, then came up to Manchester to to work as a physiotherapist Uh, at the same time involved in a church plant in one of the very hardest to reach areas of Manchester on a a huge council estate 130,000 people with huge amount of of, uh, socioeconomic and disadvantage um, issues uh, into church leadership. You you may have heard of the Eden Project in terms of the youth initiative. So um, Eden began in the church that I was pastoring, King's Church in Withenshaw. So so partnering with the Message Trust and seeing that initiative begin on a a council estate. The church grew. I uh, became leadership of, of, of the larger church. We had seven congregations, I think, at the time. And um, that, that was all good. Um, I then stepped right out of church ministry at a critical time when I kind of evaluated where I was and the fact that I had a very uh, growing young family, really got involved in the community, became a school governor, part of a community association and then asked to stand for council. So that was some 12, 13 years ago, and duly appointed to council in in Stockport. No, it's so great to hear about your background. And I guess the next question after that is, when you were first asked about being a councillor, was that something that you thought about before? Did you eagerly jump in, or was that something you had to take some time to think about and assess for yourself? It was something that I had to think about because it hadn't crossed my mind before that. So um, it wasn't on my, um, I hadn't written the script, which is always the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, that we really don't get to write our own script. So, but it wasn't one that I'd got planned. 
So it was something that came in and I had to really think about it and um, yeah, consider if, if that was something that would be good. Um, just in terms of sensing God's will and God's purpose, was that in his will and purpose? Um, and after having Judy thought about it and of course talked uh, to my, uh, my wife and family, it was a, uh, yes, let's, um, you commit for four years. So, you know, you're committing for four years and, uh, you know, you're going to have to go the distance for that four years. And when, when we talk about local politics, what do you see that as, as meaning? Because I suppose the, the stereotype or the reductive characterization of it might be that it's, it's basically sort of potholes and uh, traffic lights. Um, and of course, I'm sure it's deeper than that. So what, what do you see as local politics and, and what is the, yeah, what is the vocation of a local politician in that sense? Well, it, it certainly is about potholes and uh, traffic lights. Um, I, I use more P's. I use the pavements, potholes, uh, parking, and poo, believe it or not, dog poo. Um, in other words, you've got to be able to deal with that. So these often, you're dealing with your local residents, the issues that are important to them, that fall within the sphere and the gift of the local council to fix. Um, so at base level, that's where it is. It's making sure that the people that you represent, that when they pay their, um, their council tax, they're getting a fair deal for that. And as a local representative, I'm there to scrutinize the performance of the council to make sure that we are uh, doing the best for our local residents, yeah. And so. I guess my question is, how then does um, local politics intersect with national issues? And then I suppose from, um, you know, our view at, at the Joint Public Issues team, how does it, um, how does local politics intersect with wider issues of, of justice as well? What's, what's your yeah. approach to those kind of issues? Yeah. Now, in terms of, of justice, we as a town have a forward-looking plan, a vision, um, we call it um, the One Stop Port Borough Plan. And in that plan, we talk about a town looking forward to the year 2030, where um, the well-being for all is, uh, you know, has improved. We recognise that there are people within our, uh, our town right now who are not enjoying um, the, the prosperity that we long for for everyone. So we recognise inequality in education, in housing, in health, in employment. And within that plan, we set out our aspirations under our values to make sure that we are inclusive in the growth of the town. So there's that inclusive economy. And for me, the issues of, of equality and justice, fairness for all, and tackling some of those deep-seated um, social inequalities are very much enshrined in our vision. And that for me speaks very much of God's heart. Um, and so there's a real alignment for me with that borough vision and my sense that the God that I worship is a God who is particularly uh, looking out for those who have the least, who are most at risk. I must hear the parallels between when you were working as a church leader or just being a Christian in your community and then taking on a different 
role of responsibility. What has your experience been of that shift, being a church leader to actually taking on a council role? How's that been for you? I think it's been a journey of understanding and I think it's a journey that increasingly um, local church appreciates and values that actually the members of the congregation are all on a front line. That front line might look different, um, but whether you're in the office, in the school uh, playground, in the mums and tots group, as a, as a, as a Christian, you have a front line. Um, and so supporting people on their front line to be salt and light, uh, to be uh, God's representative and image bearer in whatever place or sphere of influence they have. I think that conversation is understood and worked out much more than perhaps it was a few years ago. So I certainly um, sense that within local church, there is a value and an understanding that we're all ministers. We just minister in a different environment in a different way but we've all got that call um yeah to be uh to be christ's ambassadors in the world in which we inhabit and that's actually so encouraging to me to hear and i'm sure it will be for our listeners as well the idea of being a minister in their own context and having their own front line <laughs> i just i know there'll be people who are listening who perhaps find that quite difficult who, or who are unsure of how to do that, how to be um, that salt and light in their own context. Is there anything you could share um, of encouragement or of an experience that you've had of doing that that might be an encouragement to us all of how we could do that in our own context? I, um, I, I for me, what I have learned and, um, you know, like most lessons, I've probably learned through getting it wrong at times. But what I have learned is the importance of being rooted into local church um, in terms of just knowing that there are people around me that, that one, um, love me, despite perhaps not at times being able to, to understand or even agree with me, um, but they actually demonstrate that love in um, in prayer, in friendship, in kindness, in standing um, together. So you will know that in whatever sphere you are, and politics um, is certainly um, this is certainly evident. You will have opposition, and you will be misrepresented, and um, there will be times that you can feel quite alone and quite. Um, under attack. And what I've learned is that by being rooted in having um, those, you know, real connections um, into local church, it, it is so important so that as I branch out, I have got roots. Um, for me, um, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a father, got a family, making sure, and I, and I think I probably, I'll be honest, I learned this the hard way, keeping that family connection keeping the understanding the conversations going with family is so important as well so um so i think that's uh, some of the things that i've learned getting out there is great as long as you're rooted in family and church as well keeps your feet on the ground as well it's really interesting i wonder if it if it goes 
both ways. How important it is as well for churches to make sure that they are rooted in their own local context. And and what does it look like, do you think, for a, for a church to be properly engaging with the local? Um, just, yeah, excellent question, Ryan. And, and you're absolutely spot on. So um, the, the local church that I am part of, um, I think I'm probably, well, I'm part of it because I can walk to it. So for me, um, it's within my ward. So I live within the ward that I represent, and that local church is a congregation of local people as well. Um, and, you know, as a counsellor, you realise there's very little that you can do um, to bring about change. You can only bring about change as you work with those that are around you locally. So, you know, projects around cleaning up the environment, um, you know, I can bring in some resources, but it's working with local people and engaging the local leadership that is in a community, the, the people who are the activists and who are doing, who are the people who have a passion for their neighbours and their neighbourhoods. And I think church um, needs to lead the way on that. You know, if there is a litter pick church should be there if there is some kind of you know and, and covid the the lockdowns i think were a real example where for me church was given an opportunity to look out for its neighbors to look out to see who was shielding and who was now um, not able to just engage with simple things like shopping or picking up prescriptions and where church mobilized, looked out firstly for its, you know, its congregational members, some of the elderly people, but beyond that were catalysts. And, and lots of others were part who weren't church members, but at least church, you know, engaging at a community level um, so that church is a light to the community. So as a counselor to have to be part of a group of people who are proactive, that, that's a real, a real blessing and a real help. Yeah, in the pandemic, just the sheer number of outreach activities and projects and care for the community that I've heard about, it is incredible, isn't it? The number of churches that went above and beyond, even though we know that churches do so much already, but I guess it drew attention to the needs of our, our neighbours and the needs of our communities. That ties quite nicely into one of our JPIT hopes is a politics characterised by listening, kindness and truthfulness. You've already talked quite a bit about the value of being so deeply rooted in your community that you're able to work together, that you're able to serve and, and actually achieve things together. Just wanted, Adrian, if you would share a little bit about what it means in your experience and in your role to be someone who listens to your community not just serving, but also listening to the people that you're trying to help? I think one of the keys there is, is firstly a deep conviction that um, voices need to be heard. So um, that sense of, as a counsellor, being able to make space for voices to be heard, to make sure that... Um, you know, we're not missing out where people have something to say, something to express. So um, 
a councillor does have the opportunity to be a local leader and to work collaboratively with other community leaders, whether those are leaders of, you know, of faith organisations. In my own ward, we have um, two mosques. And so working closely with those who are um, leaders within, within, the, uh, within those mosques and um, within other you know, Christian faith organisations in the, in the ward, but finding those other community leaders as well, whether they be those who are active on social media, whether they be those who are, you know, have, have a particular interest in a, in a, in a particular uh, topic. Um, it's finding those, those people, joining them up and making sure they've got an opportunity to speak into what are their, what are their challenges, what are their aspirations, what do they long to see for the community that they're part of. So I think convening conversations making sure that they're around the table, people are, are, are included and given a, 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 you know, a, 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 an opportunity to shape what goes forward. There's always a challenge as an elected um, person because you represent such a diverse group of opinions and um, priorities and viewpoints that, um, that, you know, that, that almost is, at one level, an impossible task. Um, you can set out what your, your your particular stance is before you're voted for, which gives you a little bit of a mandate to say that's I said that's what I would do before you voted for me. Um, so there's that little bit of a manifesto. Um, but then past that, you you know you have a challenge because sometimes you will be pushing for things that people tell you they don't want, that they are resisting. And that, that's, a, that's a particular part, political area that is a challenge. Um, but I think it is important that even those voices that you don't agree with feel that they have a place and they have been consulted, they have been heard. And where you can find um, you know, some compromise, a place where people know that they've been listened to and their thoughts and their views have been considered and perhaps your thinking has been shaped by it um then i think that's that's vitally important but you've got to be prepared to disappoint people as well which is a difficult thing particularly as a christian you've just got to be prepared to at times be unpopular because you won't always be able to make all of the people happy all of the time yeah. in the impossibility I guess my, my question then is, how do you be unpopular well? How do you, how do, you do, the, do the hard thing in a way that is, I don't know, honouring to people, listens to people still? That seems to me a really difficult challenge and a, a, a great reason not to get into politics. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, I believe we yeah. should be involved in politics, but that would be something that would put me off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, diff difficult. Um, for me, there is always um, an importance around the way I do what I do. So I think um, even disagreeing can be done and should be done in a in a humble, respectful, honest way. Um, and so, whilst disagreeing, 
I, I believe it's really important by my response, both in terms of what I say and what I do, that I can demonstrate that that person's opinion was important, um, valued, respected, and they as a person um, are respected. Disagreement done with grace, with compassion, and you know, not attacking a person because they have a different view, but valuing the person. Um, I think sometimes it's important to own up when you when you've get it got it wrong. Um, I think today in today's politics, just the way where we're at, one, it seems difficult to own up when you've got it wrong because you probably know there will be no mercy. That those who judge you will and not be merciful in their judgment, will not come with grace or compassion. But I think it's important to somehow bring back into, well, it's certainly for me into local politics, that ability to say I was wrong and for that to be received in a way which says, you know, thank you. Um, we all are learning and there's some grace and mercy shown when we don't get it right. Um, I think probably that's where, as a mayor, I have that opportunity to, in some ways, steer the way that we do politics at this moment in Stockport. And it would be for me to have all the voices respectfully listened to um, and for people to show some grace and some mercy when things are not always, we find out later, actually, we got that wrong, didn't we? Um, so... I think it's the way we do what we do that is important. That's so great. Mm. There's really something great in there, Adrian, because I do think it's such a barrier for people wanting to get involved in politics. It's the idea that it's also messy, it's also toxic. There's people constantly under attack. It's so divisive. And we know that's not always the case, but it's so often how it can come across. So you just mentioned there that you're actually a mayor. So it's really cool. So how can we do that better, I guess, on a local and a national level? The interesting thing I've learned, and it's taken me a while to, to get used to this, that within the theatre of politics, and certainly um, whether it's in the House of Commons or in the local council chamber or the Zoom of a local parish council, there is theatre involved. And it took me a while to appreciate that what I was viewing, now, now let me just say I am an independent. And so therefore I would fully appreciate that it's probably a little bit different for me. But if you are a party member right now, you mentioned the word toxicity, Beth. Um, I think, that you just need to be aware of that and the theater of that, that kind of feeds that toxicity, that polarization. So I've learned that one, the theater isn't actually a barrier to relationships. So it, it came as a surprise when I thought, gosh, these people really don't like each other, do they? And then the council meeting is over. We go out in the corridor and everybody's chatting to each other and there's laughter, and there's first name terms, and there's good night, and, you know, um, see you soon. There's, 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 a, there's a degree of relationship. 
the toxicity um, appeared to be fairly um, on the surface, the theater part. When that toxicity goes deeper, and, and, and I think in party politics, it goes deeper. I think as a Christian, you need to be so aware of that. One of the things I've done um, going into this role of mayor is to, is to ask a group of people from across the sort of sectors in um, Stockport to pray for me and to pray with me. So in the town hall, um, the first Friday of each month into the mayor's chambers here, a group of, of um, as up to 15 of us gather to pray, but they have also committed to pray regularly for me. And that for me is so vitally important that if I'm in an arena where there is attack toxicity, there is sometimes, um, and, and you know, it's a blessing that I'm not a, uh, in a party because for those who are in a party, there are those who are at work to try and undermine um, you and your stance and your, you know, um, you, you know they, they will try, try all sorts of tactics. And so as a Christian, to have those around you who are praying, holding and guarding and keeping you, and who also can be honest with you and say, you know, I think you just need to check yourself on this, um, you know, and, and a kind of hold you to account, lovingly hold you to account, who can be those at times critical friends, um, vitally, vitally important if you're in the political sphere at the moment. I'm sure it's probably true in other spheres, whether you're in business, and but particularly right now in politics, because of the word you used, Beth, toxicity. And social media, of course, is such a part of that. And, um, and as a Christian, you just have to be able to rest at the end of the day in your relationship with God, who you know at the end of the day loves you, understands you, loves you despite your failures and your weaknesses, um, and you can rest in that reassurance because social media might not give you the reassurance that you need at times. So one of the criticisms you hear of how politics is done in this country is this language of the Westminster bubble and the idea that there's a divide between places like Stockport and where decisions are made in, in the southeast and London. Is that something that resonates with you? And do you think that's a useful way of thinking about it? Or does that just increase tensions between uh, towns and cities around around the country? You know, it, it, it is a difficult one to for me and trying to find a way where you can be critical but you are critical in a way that seeks to bring light and not just heat and i think um you know I, I, this is what um I, i'm kind of saying to the political leaders of the groups in stockport um you know let's disagree um let's hear the voices but let's make sure that our comments are bringing light. They're adding something. They're solution-based. They have got, um, you know, some um, alternatives, some 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 clear options, rather than just bringing heat. So they're they're statements that don't take us forward, but take us into an arena of accusation um, and undermining. Um, so so you know we're very public. All our meetings, our council meetings, are webcast. And I just think it's important that people who are viewing that 
have concede disagreement, but see disagreement done in a right way, which brings light and not just heat. So for me, it's trying to find the difference between comments that bring light and comments that just bring heat. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's for me a challenge and a one that I'm kind of asking our political leaders in Stockport to consider at the moment. It does make sense. And I really like that phrase because there is such a difference, isn't there, of being critical to get attention or um, to pull down or to ridicule or, or whatever it is, rather than actually trying to draw attention to something that's a problem or work to find a better solution together. Um, I really like that distinction. Thank you for that. Yeah, so Adrian, I think we'll we'll wrap up in a minute, but I guess what I'd I'd love to to close on is just to hear from you. What then gives you hope um, in uh, in the way politics is done, and when you see um, local politics and the way local people are engaging with each other, what is it that that drives you? And and um, it's easy at the minute to think that politics is failing everybody or that it's not listening what gives you hope about about the way about the way you see politics being done what gives me hope is that over the years since i've been an elected member um i've actually seen the um the influence of local authority and this, this is going to sound strange but i've seen it diminish because of its lack of funding so over the last um, uh, 12 years, every single budget that I've been a part of approving, debating, scrutinizing, and then voting on, every single budget has been smaller year on year for the local authority, which means that every single year we have had to reduce um, our levels of service. Um, some of that was you know, just, just savings around efficiency, but it's gone way beyond that. Now that might seem strange to say that it gives me hope, but what I have seen is that the local authority have really now begun to appreciate that for the good of the town, the only way we can make progress is when we sit together with the other sectors, the other um, you know, uh, people that bring change in the town, that cross-sector working, that partnership working, which includes working with people of faith and recognizing that unless we work together, unless we find solutions to some of those big issues that I mentioned before, those inequalities that we still experience. And an inequality um, in a town isn't just bad for the people who are experiencing it at the, at the sharp end, it's bad for everybody in a town. Um, so the council sees that it is now not it's a player, but it recognizes the value of the voluntary, the community, the faith, social enterprise sector. It values the local businesses, the entrepreneurs, the social um, enterprises, et cetera. And it's making space and it's becoming a facilitator saying, actually, we can only make this work when, you know, well, we know now health and social care have to work, have to integrate for the benefit of people. And beyond that, it's as we find those 
strengths and those assets from different parts of our town and our communities as we work together with God's people, faith people, right in the middle of that. Um, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like the yeast that a woman takes and works into the batch of dough. And, the, and God's people working in with that whole um, process, that gives me hope. That gives me hope for change. Um, I think it means that the church is now and, you know, is included like, you know, perhaps it hasn't been. The salt and the light are recognized as valuable contributors to the, to the benefit of the town, of the, of the borough. Um, so that gives me real hope for the future. So if someone's been listening and hearing what you've been saying, Adrian, and actually has been thinking to themselves, oh, maybe I want to get involved in local politics. Maybe even they want to run as a councillor. What would you want to say to them, Adrian? I, I would encourage them to pursue that. I would encourage them to, um, to you know, to, to do some research. So um, organisations that can support that, whether that's Christians in politics, um, etc. Google it and um, find out more. If there is a, a Christian counsellor that you know of, um, who's prepared, who has the time and is prepared to, uh, to talk to you, um, then do that. But um, if you're sensing there is a call to do it, then please do pursue that call. Pray about it, get others to pray, but do some research, find out about it. Um, you know, there are Christians in every political party. I can see that um, and I know that. And I have some uh, Christians uh, on council in each of the political parties here in Stockport. Um, and, you know, we uh, we find time to pray together. Um, so if there are prayer movements going on locally around politics, get involved. Um, uh, you know, and, but please do do pursue it. We we certainly need Christians in, in both, you know, Westminster and in your local councils, etc. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Adrian. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, that's amazing. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Brilliant. I hope it comes across what a lovely man Adrian is. Thank you for coming on, Adrian. We enjoyed that so much. Um, He's so gentle and thoughtful, and we just had such a wonderful uh, time chatting to him. Um, so what we wanted to do this week was build on some of the um, reflections that Adrian raised and some of the issues he spoke about. And it happens that um, it, we'd booked to speak to him anyway, um, but it just so happens that a lot of what Adrian spoke about in our conversation there seems to me to resonate with one of Jay Pitt's big focuses at the moment, which is as we very excitingly, this is the first time we're mentioning it, but in June, Jay Pitt are hosting a, a one day conference in London uh, called From the Ground Up. And it is seeking to ask and hopefully answer a lot of the questions that we were talking to Adrian about regarding the local, regarding how we work for justice in our local context, even when we in our small local context can feel very far away from the corridors of power or, or where the decisions are being made. Um, how can we work for justice from, from starting at the local? 
Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to be thinking about in the in the JPIC conference. Um, and I thought that that lined up really well with um, a lot of what Adrian was was talking about. Um, what what struck you, Beth, um, from what Adrian was saying, and and um, has that shaped some of your thinking we're we're doing around the local and from the ground up? Yeah, um, you're so right, Ryan. It's amazing how many links there are with those topics from just what Adrian said. And I have to promise, we didn't line him up for it at all. So it's just worked out so well. Within what Adrian said, I was really struck by how often he talked about needing to work with people across different lines of parties, across different opinions and having to collaborate really well. I think maybe that's in Adrian's role as a mayor, that's particularly important. But it just seemed to come up a number of times, the idea of how, how important it is to be able to disagree and still work together and still find ways um, of serving your community and finding productive ways forward. And I just think that's so relevant for our conversation about the local because we're always going to find that there's groups that we want to work with, but we don't necessarily agree with everything, perhaps other faith groups or other groups serving the local community. And I know that it can be really easy to just step back from that and completely avoid working with other groups because we don't know if we've got any common ground. But Adrian spoke so well about, I guess, seeing the value of wanting to serve the community and working out where you have common ground and where you can work together while still retaining our Christian distinctiveness. I didn't get the sense from him at all that he feels the need to change who he is or hide his faith or the fact that he's been a church leader, but yet he still can collaborate really well. I think there's so much that we could learn from that. At least I could about the importance of doing that well. well yeah, I think what was interesting as well was Adrian spoke about how actually we are being forced at the moment to be more collaborative and that the the situation you know he mentioned um funding to local government um it, you know it was very clear in uh, those early lockdown months with covid that actually people were were being forced to recognize the immense challenges that we were facing and that the way that these issues are going to be weathered is not by um doubling down as as an individual but actually as as working together and reaching out arms and 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 so i thought that was a a, a really um positive and encouraging way of engaging with what we might think of as you know very tough realities and um, it's you know i thought it was a, a a very encouraging spin to put on the, the reality of you know there being limited funding or of a pandemic yeah i was surprised that that was his answer to the question about hope and that is one of the questions from the conference, isn't it? Is where do we find hope in our neighbourhood? And he linked that so much with the idea of almost seeing the value of what a neighbourhood already contains. And I'm sure there's loads of listeners who are, are excellent at this and are so involved in their community. But I don't know. I think sometimes it's really easy for me, for us to focus on the Westminster politics. If that's how we make change. It's by raising the voice it's by pressurizing it and all those things are true but I guess about 
actually almost maybe rebalancing that a little bit with the importance of change through the neighborhood because as an, and Adrian spoke so well about this as well the idea that those structures exist for the community and actually by knowing the needs of a community can you then go and try and solve them rather than swooping in and trying to change things I guess without that knowledge. Yeah and I suppose it's about as well having a degree of humility and and recognizing that there are things we can learn from what other people are already doing and whatever your locality I'm sure there's loads of amazing work already going on uh, in, in terms of furthering justice and it would be wrong to think well um you know they're a secular organization or they're a, a muslim organization or whatever um and so they are their their own thing um for us to be separate from um or even ignored and and the reality is you know if justice is the aim um if if building the kingdom uh, in the greatest sense is the aim then we'd be foolish to to turn our back on methods strategies um approaches that are, are working and are building uh, growing justice and building the kingdom i guess though um i probably would push back on that a little bit myself because i do think that sometimes it is legitimate to be concerned that we're going to lose our christian distinctiveness by working together with groups that are I guess, look very different, have very different ethos than we do. I know that's not what you're trying to say, but I think, I do think that that fear, it's not, it's not illegitimate to be concerned about what does it mean to try and build the kingdom of God if we're doing it through secular means. And so I do think sometimes that can be difficult for churches and, and us as believers to work out how we do that really well. But I guess that's what I liked about what Adrian said is that he is very honest about the fact that he does what he does because of his calling from God to care for people. And he doesn't hide his faith and the reason behind his hope, I guess. I'm sure he does that in conversation, not just with us, but with other people in general and people know about his faith. And then he doesn't feel like the need to preach that, but can still work with others who aren't believers. I do think there's, there is a, some kind of tension there, and I think it's difficult and, and not always a straightforward thing to do to just work together. I guess my instinct would be if, in whatever form it takes, we're bringing good news to the poor, setting prisoners free, bring sight to the blind, whatever those things might mean. If you're doing that through your, your justice work, that that is distinctly Christian, in my view. That is a, dis, a distinctly Jesus-centred approach. Um, the reality is, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying about wanting to keep a sense of distinctive identity, but I guess we've got to, to me, it seems we've got to have confidence in ourselves and and um confidence in in jesus that that we're not diluting him um by by um engaging in in existing um not explicitly christian uh justice movements or whatever and, and i'm not sure anybody's is saying that that is what is going on um yeah and 
we know that the Bible is so clear about the mandate to care for the poor and and those who are disadvantaged and we want to hear that call and respond in the different ways that we can absolutely so if you're free on Saturday the 11th of June and even if you're not probably can rearrange then you should come to the uh, joint public issues team conference here in London if you possibly can if you can come in person that would be amazing you can even meet me and Ryan and um, other of our JPIT colleagues will be there please come and say hi we'd love to meet you um but there is also going to be an online version as well so wherever you are in the world you can join in and learn alongside us about the local and how we grow from the ground up super thanks for listening Bye. Bye.